Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast. Thank you all for joining today as we discuss with industry leaders, current trends, supply, demand, and opportunities. Today, I'm honored to have Paul Manfrey, General Manager of Top Cats LLC, based out of New York, but Paul is in Mission, Texas. So, Paul, great to have you here, man. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. So, we met on LinkedIn, which is kind of uh, um, interesting because during the COVID uh, crisis, everybody's starting to do more uh, virtual learning, virtual calls, but I've been following you since you've been doing your videos um, months, months, almost almost a year from now ago. I've been following you, and you've got a good following uh, based on a lot of the updates that you do. So that that is that's awesome. Yeah, it, uh, I think I, I started on LinkedIn uh, maybe four or five years ago, and uh, I have to be honest. Like in the beginning, I was probably like uh, like a old man Facebook are just trying to collect uh, contacts. But over the last couple of years, I only accept uh, produce people. So if you're anywhere in the produce uh, business, anywhere in the world, you're my contact. And uh, surprisingly, I got about uh, almost 10,000 followers now. And uh, the videos have been something I just started a few few months ago because uh, two or three years ago, I did a hunch point uh, market video as I walked the hunch point market. And I think that video had like 30,000 views on LinkedIn. It was like quite amazing. That's fantastic. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, so I feel like, I think people, it's, it's really hard to gauge. I, sometimes I write content and, 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 and the, uh, it blows up and then, you know, and then sometimes I do video and it really, you know, I don't really get that many like looks. It's, it, it's amazing that it, it, from one week to the next, how, uh, drastic the difference for me but i think uh, by and large people like the video so i try to put a little content in writing and and i try to back it up with the video well keep the videos going i know that a lot of people that are in my contact book watch your videos and remember just because if someone doesn't comment doesn't mean they're not watching i mean everyone if, if you don't know paul manfrey i mean he is a great leader in the industry he's an advocate towards the upcoming generations and as well, he's the author of the Produce Manifesto, which we are going to talk about later. Um, so, Paul, give us an idea. Uh, we're we're in about week fourteen, leading into week fifteen. Sixteen's coming up really, really fast. Uh, what do you see out there? What are the current you know supply and demand trends for your business uh, and some of the crops that you guys are doing? Well. Um... My other email address is a red pepper king at Gmail, so you could get, you know pretty much guess what I is a, a big item for me is red peppers. Uh, but I I basically do a whole Mexican deal out of our office in uh, Arizona, as well as the Mexican deal that crosses here through uh, McAllen and Far Texas. So that's my uh, in the winter time. It's uh, I that's my uh, that's my wheelhouse is uh, Mexican vegetables. Unfortunately, with this virus. Uh, it created a serious, serious lack of demand uh, so far, uh, so much so that uh, growers are probably going to walk away from some fields because there actually was no demand. I have a little uh, bright spot. Uh, I alluded to this in my podcast. Is you know The, the, uh, the checks came out uh, on the 1st, 
So that's a little, that should be, uh, gang up demand a little bit. And we have Easter coming and I know it's not going to be a big holiday, but you know, people maybe going to have a, a dinner, you know, amongst their immediate family. So I, I think demand, go, you know, this week going forward is going to be decent. And then I'm waiting for those uh, government uh, stimulus checks to come, which are, I, I just heard yesterday they, they're going to be in your everybody's bank account in two weeks if you're uh, eligible for them. And uh, I expect that, you know, you know, people getting, you know, two or three thousand dollars in their uh, bank account. I expect them to go out and buy some food because this thing doesn't look like it's going to be over in uh, the very near future. So as far as uh, supplies will be short based on because of lack of demand, not based on it, because of lack of demand and farmers will walk away from it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the demand is going, to be, is going to be even less than supply. So it's going to be very, very challenging for the next couple of weeks. I agree. I've been talking with growers from pineapple growers uh, to potato growers to citrus growers. And everybody seems to have the same idea in their head that there is going to be a gap in one or another supply. Uh, so this yeah. virus is taking an effect on this and everybody's seeing it. But, you know, I, I listened to you in another interview uh, that you did and you said this. You said, it's an interesting time, but not a tough time to talk about buying patterns, Right. And it's, it's interesting because I think buying patterns is what people are now looking at tremendously with the panic buying, right? Everybody's panic buying and now they're trying to figure out when is the norm? When is it going to go back to normal again? And with all this being said, as you just discussed, and there being a gap, what are our consumers going to do in the stores during this gap? What do we expect for them to do? You know what I mean? I mean, how are we going to help them? On, on, uh... Unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it's all in the retail hands and the large retail hands because they are the biggest drivers. Uh, and in my opinion, the weak link between uh, farm and uh, consumer, really the only link, but also the weakest link. And now because we don't have food service and, you know, to, uh, you know, have a little release valve, we only have retail. It's going to be very, very challenging Uh it's going to be very challenging if you're not a sharp retailer. And I, I'm sorry, I, I don't consider I don't consider large retailers sharp. I just uh, I just think they're they are you know the old saying: if you're not part of the solution, you are the problem. Uh, uh, yeah. Large retail, yeah, large retail is the problem. Again, uh, you know they want contract pricing. They all do it. Most of their orders are computer generated, right? It's not even is not even a buyer on the other end. So they're going to come into because of what you just mentioned. There's going to be supply gaps. So you know, as a grower, any grower knows, you know, when you pick a crop, it's not all number ones, and it's all you know. I, I always use super cucumbers as a as an example. You know, chainsaws only use super select cucumbers. They only use extra large uh, green and red peppers. They don't, you know, and the list goes on. With these supply gaps. If there's really not enough, they're going to have to, excuse me, it would be beneficial for them to learn how to sell the other items. I, I, I always use this example. So, you know, two medium Roma tomatoes will probably have the same calorie content as, uh, as one jumbo. You know, a, a, a select cucumber has the same nutritional value as a super select cucumber. You know what I mean? But uh, Makes sense. Yes. But large retailers, you know, I only want this. I only want this. Again, because... 
they they really are not produce men. They are not produce people. You know, uh, I'm not knocking Harvard MBAs, but no, but Harvard but MBA, you did yeah, say Harvard MBAs know how to sell widgets, and produce is not widgets. You know, I, I agree plan, with you. The, <laughs> well, listen, so, you 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 even talk about one of your um, one of your videos. I'm going to bring this up, and you know I'm the millennial boom guy, right? The, right, the right. millennials and the boomers. But you said it about the generation. You were you said it uh, in one of your interviews. You were you're you are the old timer, right? You started packing boxes yes. when you were a kid. You were on the uh, the Hunts Point Market. I mean, you. I was selling, you, I was fruit, I was selling fruit on the corner of 40th Street and Broadway. Yeah. Uh, so no, over 40 years so ago. think about it like this, though. Everyone that's listening, we go back to a time where we were trading on handshake agreements, back alley agreements as they called them because they were doing, ready, selling produce in, in the back alleys or the side corners of streets, right? And, and Paul, yes. I agree with you. So um, there's a lot of things right now that we do. I mean, everybody, we're, we're salesmen. We see the markets. We talk to the retailers. We talk to everybody. But there is a sense that uh, a lot of the industry is feeling that way, that they're understanding that the you, got, you have to sign up with iTrade to get your orders done, or you have to sign up for Famous, you know, all these different systems that then everybody's linked to be able to process the orders. Now it's easier, right? And now I'm going to pull the millennial card. It's easier on the millennials to be able to send these emails and do these things. But I do agree, we're hiring a lot of people and training them to be in our industry. And then within a couple of years, and you've noticed this, we see a lot of trends of buyers changing, people going, management switches, and it changes, and it turns into a new organization every time that happens. Yeah, you know, here's, here's the problem with the uh, current paradigm. Is, is I, I hear this a lot. So we're going to go on sale in June with apricots, okay? Why are you going on sale with uh, apricots in June? Because last year we were at 99 cents a pound on apricots. We featured them. Okay, but last year, you know, was perfect growing uh, weather, and this year we had monsoons and you know hail, and you know there's none. But they want to go on sale either first or because they did it last year. It's there's no there's no thought into actual actual buying. I always say retail, you know, retailers uh, give good sales by mistake. You know, they do it three weeks out or something. All of a sudden, the market starts working on something. All of a sudden, it looks like they have a cheap item. But they don't have cheap items uh, on purpose. It's, it's totally a mistake. I also have to say, even though millennials uh, like to do that email and, and all the technology stuff, right? If you go to my website, what does it say? You know, marry uh, new world technology with all, you know, with all guys like me. Yeah. It seems to me like millennials get it. By and large, I have a lot of followers that are millennials and we spoke about this. Lots of followers that are, that are millennials. Most of the time they go, Oh, thank you. Oh, that's great. Oh, you know, so they actually get it. And maybe because, you know, maybe it's their upbringing. They, they kind of like, they're like as a generation, kind of like fair traders. So they want to do what's better. And, 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 they want to keep the farmers in business, and I can tell you right now, the only way agriculture is sustainable is if a farmer can grow a crop the next year, the year after that, the year after that. And our current our current paradigm does not facilitate that. Does not. I agree. I mean, sir, I mean there's this certain year, crops. And this, year, and this year is a perfect example. You know, I am not a contract guy, but every chain store from top to bottom wants to go on contract, and, and the growers want to go on contract. 
okay? Because they think it mitigates it mitigates uh, the uh, the losses. So here here's a perfect example. This year we had terrible terrible weather all year in Mexico. So all those contracts, let's say, let's for argument's sake, we have an eighteen dollar contract on super select cubes. Well, we had a super select cube come to market that was was thirty and forty dollars FOB. So all the chain stores. Obviously, when something is $30 or $40 FOB, there's not enough to go around. Otherwise, it wouldn't be $30 or $40 FOB, right? So they, uh, all the chain stores, oh, where's my contract? Where's my contract? Where's my contract? There's not enough. So now, on the decreased volume, that farmer has to give most of his uh, crop away at, those reduced, uh, at that lower contract price, okay? Okay, fast forward to now. Now, in the last two weeks, demand fell off the table. A lot of retailers are giving back those, those same contracts when the growers need them the most. So they couldn't, they, the grower couldn't make money when he had the opportunity or he sold less volume for less price where he could have sold less volume for an, you know, an increased price coupled with now that he just wants to sell the stuff, give it away, just move it. And you, know, and you have retailers not taking it. And what exacerbates the problem, not one retailer in this area dropped the prices. Stuff is really is, is 70, 50 to 70% less than it was two weeks ago, and the retails are still the same. That, my friend, is what's wrong with big retail. Yeah, that, that I agree with, too. Um, what's interesting, too, is I don't, I don't believe there's a sense of unity uh, within our industry sometimes because we have – so many different verticals, right, Paul, in the industry, wholesale, distributor, retail, uh, processing, uh, packing, right, growing. There's so many different verticals. And as you just said, the retailers have the power right now to help any grower in need drop the price on peppers, onions, uh, citrus to create promotions. Because if you go into the stores, they were selling, right? All the produce shelves were empty and they were constantly restocking. So I feel that there's got to be a sense of unity uh, within our organization, right? With, or not even the organization, within the produce industry, right? To bring a lot together. So when there is things like this that happen, right now we're being reactive and resilient, but we need to be proactive because we need to all be in line together. If this happens again, we're going to have the same problem over and over yes. and over again. Yes. yes. Right? Yes. And we need to, we need to have yes. these big What's retailers the making doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, right? That's you, insanity. Well, here's something so, that's, a, that's really interesting to me too is that we're donating um, citrus right now to local food banks and churches and corrections facilities. And we do that normally, right, Paul? We, we as an industry, donate a lot of food to those, in, uh, to those organizations already. And but now that, we have to because nobody's buying it. Exactly. But ready for this? <laughs> I, I saw on LinkedIn the other day a tomato grower was feeding the tomatoes to pigs because the food banks were full, the churches were full, the corrections facilities were full, and the dairies were full, right? The, the cows. So they fed them to the pigs actually. And I saw right. this feedback from con a consumer. They were like, I cannot believe you are throwing your, your fruit and your veggies away when people are starving out here. And it's so, and it's interesting because I told someone, I go, we do the best we can. I said, we have companies like Brothers Produce in Houston and that are developing boxes to go out to the stores. He did that right when the crisis happened. So he's actually helping the food banks, the churches, and the corrections facility, along with helping deliveries personally to people's um, homes. 
So again, right? Unity. Right. And you know what's amazing, Patrick? You said all those things. And I'm going to reiterate what I just said. And the big change didn't change their retail. Yeah. And you change, right? And that's, you know, they'll all, you know, here's their mantra. Oh, people will not buy anymore. And my answer is always the same. Then why do you put stuff on sale? Why do you give, you know, six items or seven items a week in your produce department? Why? Because you sell 60% more. Again, if you sold... uh, Produce, uh, if you go in my LinkedIn, I have a lot of articles there. One of those articles, produce as a a luxury item. And see, I I consider produce a luxury item. It's a food, I'll give you, I'm going to give you a story. My my father told me this, like, uh, this is like a 40-year-old story. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, and it kind of like shaped, it's kind of shaped my produce knowledge. My aunt bought a, uh, an uncle bought a house in Long Island. I grew up in Brooklyn. My aunt and uncle bought a house in Long Island, and my parents go out there and uh, go in the refrigerator. No food in the refrigerator. So my father asked me, you know, my aunt, my uncle, you know, how come there's no food in the refrigerator? Well, you got to pay the mortgage. You got to pay the electric bill. You got to put gas in the car. You know, you got to, you know, they went down the whole list, and the really the only way you could where you could save money is on the food bill. Okay, now think about that. That's a very true statement. Okay, so we still do today, that to this day, too, Paul. Right, till to this day, that is a that is a fact. There's 45 year ago story still relevant today. Okay, today, woman goes into the store. Again, I always use this. She buys macaroni. I have no idea how much macaroni she's. I know it used, it used to be 39 cents when I was a kid. <laughs> it's 99 cents. It's 99 cents a box. But what are you going to buy? Macaroni and cheese. Maybe you could feed two kids or three kids with a box of macaroni and cheese for 99 cents. Or are you going to buy broccoli for $2.49 a bunch? You know what I mean? It comes down to dollars and cents. What, what, what bothers me is that we have such a great story that's not being told. And I don't know if we're going to go down the uh, PMA route, but, you know, PMA is supposed to roll out that program. But, you know, we're supposed to – PMA should be uh, – uh, Promoting to consumers, not to each other. I know, I know all the, the players in the industry, but tell the consumers, okay, you know, this orange is ninety nine cents, and this bag of Doritos ninety nine cents. What do you, which do you want to feed your kid? You know what I mean? Like you have to make, you, first of all, you have to make it attractive, and sometimes you got to put stuff in people's face to, to them understand. Like, yes, you're going to spend a little bit more on on, on, uh, on produce than you are on macaroni and cheese. It can't be that big of disparaging uh, price that it is today. But you got to kind of like marry the two. Retail has got to drop a little. And listen, I'm not saying across the board. There are, there are, I, I grew up selling a, a produce on the corner. I've been in retail, wholesale, food service. I've grown stuff in Mexico and Costa Rica. I've pretty much done everything that you can do in this business. I know every aspect of it. I am not talking out my butt. I know how this system works. And fortunately, uh, the people in control, I don't know if they really have any produce knowledge or, or, they, or they all went to the lemming school of follow the guy before you and, you know, and <laughs> it's just not working well, for everybody. I think, well, I think well, here's, here's another little uh, interesting cue for you for, for my, my uh, experience. So this is a baby boomer ran industry. And I've been told – I was picking oranges at the age of 14 in Florida. I told you that. My dad's been in produce right. his whole life and it was do what you're told. You know, and I think that that generation that came up, and you talked about this a little bit with me off the off the uh, mic, 
was what generation really screwed it up, right? Because they're, they're, we're not going to go into that, but there's um, because we don't want to make generalizations, right? No, it's no, just, I don't want to make generalizations. Because everybody's you know? got an opinion, but there is. There's a sense that we got a lot of people in our industry that, yes, they're great people. And if you if you are a lobbying group, right, like PMA or, or United Fresh or any of these guys like California Citrus Mutual, I mean, they're the ones that are talking to our representatives our government representatives that have the impact they are representing our industry so i what we need to do as an industry if we want to make this change we need to start again writing emails and letters to these people because if they're not going to make that change then we need to do that we need to be going to the representatives the secretary of ags and speaking as as individuals and not letting these organizations and i'm not saying we're against them but right now like i said in crises paul's saying that we shouldn't be promoting from one organization to another. We should be focused on how do we benefit the consumer? How do we get more produce to the consumer's homes? How do we not throw this produce away? We should be collectively be thinking how to work together too, right, Paul? Without a doubt. That's right, because consumers drive our industry. If we could increase the Wait, 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 wait. Stop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me the big CEOs of all these multi-million dollar produce companies don't yeah, control I'm, it? Yeah, I'm sorry <laughs> to inflate their egos. I'm, I'm sorry to inflate, deflate their egos, but it's, uh, it's consumers that will drive our industry. And if we could get them, if we could get them, uh, you know, eating more uh, produce, understanding you know you know right now is a perfect example boost your immune system you know healthy for you no matter what diet you're on you know i have an idea for the pma for their program let's you know there's always an item every week that is stuck you know that you're in the produce business right it's stuck so bad it's usually you know supply far exceeds demand guys just trying to give away we just went through two weeks of it right Correct. I mean, this is this is an anomaly. It's a one in a hundred year event, but there's always something in the produce business, usually. But if the PMA went on on uh, whether news pra- uh, papers or online and said, you know, uh, PMA's pick of the week, uh, green squash is going to be very cheap, they would basically be calling out any retailer that was, let's say, you know, we say the suggested price is uh, eighty nine cents a pound now. If a, a consumer goes into uh, XYZ, I don't want to call anybody out, company, retail store, and they got a green squash at 249 hey, the PMA said this is the produce pick of the week and it's, you know, 89 cents a pound is a fair price. How come you're three times as much, you know? And I think that would be, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, again, you got to call people out. You know, sometimes you just got to, for their own good. And I, and my, my thing is, again, getting back to the macaroni and cheese, if you gave people like two or three or four items every week, and there's always that. No, I just think about all the items we grow. Maybe this week it's romaine lettuce and green squash and tomatoes. Next week it's uh, iceberg lettuce, uh, broccoli, cauliflower. You know, it's always something. You, you give those three or four items, three or four items every week after a while, uh, it's going to catch on. And again, how I think retail is going to change, I believe one day, I really, I truly believe this. I believe one day, one retailer is going to do what I say. Not that I say it. I, let's say, let do, let's say, call it, let's do the right thing. Right. That actually sell, sell produce with its natural ebbs and flows, supply and demand. When that happens, when one does it, especially if it's a big one, They'll either put everybody else out of business or everybody else will have to follow them to stay in business. 
That's how dramatic I think it will be. And we know what trend we've seen it and you've seen it over the last 40 years. If yeah. They're probably going to follow because they don't want to go out of business, right? As you see right. that now, how many companies have you seen, which is, which is good, but now they're delivering to the home-based stores, which was a model that they would have said, heck Pat no, we're never doing that. Patrick, we are going to see some very, very, this, I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago on my, uh, on my posting, this is gasoline on the fire. What's happening right now is just going to, is just going to accelerate whatever, whatever was happening before. I'll give you an example. Online produce sales never really, really was not, didn't catch on like grocery or, you know, I get my chewy delivers my, uh, my dog food every month, you know, but produce really never, never at, at the same level as grocery. Or other didn't items. take on. They didn't take on. And I had a reason for that. And I've, wrote, I've written about this over the past years because your produce department suck. If you go into a store and your produce department sucks because we know it's, you know, eye appeal and, you know, it's buy appeal and those, you know, and displays. And if people have to spend 10 or 15 minutes picking out the right stuff in your produce department in your stores, they're not ordering from you online because then they say, oh, somebody else is going to pick that rotten stuff up where I did, that I left. Well, but I agree with you it, because it, I say that now with Publix delivery and, and Postmates and all that different stuff I where I live, I, I, I'm, I live in Tampa, Florida now. And we're in a, it's a bigger city, so we have all this. But I tell my wife, do not order the produce on there. I said because right. you got somebody that's just picking it out. And again, as you say, um, how many times have you gone into the store and you see a pineapple that's like a brownish yellow com <laughs> color, and you tell the produce manager, and he goes, "No, that's what it's supposed to look like." And you're like, "Buddy, I've been selling pineapples." For for twenty years, and I'd tell you if I ever delivered this, it would be yeah. it would be rejected, and I'd have a I'd have a claim against me. You know what I mean? You know, you know what? I'm, it's amazing. I, I go I, I I always I always go into produce departments. It's like you know, it's my hobby. I go into produce, and I see like uh, especially like you know, I see a red pepper, all shriveled and everything. It's like six red peppers in a whole display, and I'm like, you actually think like you think a moron is going to come by and buy like these? Let's say for two forty nine a pound. And, and, and you kill, not only you're, you're killing your sales because maybe 10 people walked past them already and, you know, went someplace else, but you're killing the stuff in the box that you don't have on the display. That's good. That's going rotten because you don't have them on display. You know, this is like this again, I, you know, like this stuff is so, uh, elementary and, and it's, and it's not being done, uh, again. And I just think that because, uh, you know, 30 years ago, they, uh, they got rid of all the real produce guys and, you know, and, uh, and put, uh, you know, inexperienced people. And I thought they were going to save money. I say it all the time. A good produce manager is a revenue stream. It's not an expense. I, I agree. And that's something that I've even learned. I mean, my father and I work together or my brothers and I work together. Um, obviously we always have to prove ourselves, right? We got to prove ourselves every day, right? I every mean, day. We, don't, we don't expect to have anything given to us. Um, but I do agree with you is that I remember working for my father and we started bringing a lot of people in, right. That were of different backgrounds, right. From different industries. Um, like again, tech and everything you could think about. Right. And right. they weren't from our industry and we love the mindset, right. Just as I'm a consultant, I go into different industries, but again, when you were like, Hey, we got to run out to the fields or, Hey, we got to do this. 
I noticed that, oh, well, I don't have shoes to go into the field. Like uh, me, me, right? I always have boots in the back of my – I have a Durango. I always have boots in the back of my Durango. I live in Florida now. I still have my boots in the back of my Durango. Like you know, that's just that's just who I am, right? That's that's what I've grown up to be. My brother's the same way. He's got his boots right by the door. My dad carries his boots. So um, it, it is, right? So I think that – a lot of times we, as a, as right, these multi-million dollar companies started coming in. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love a lot of them. Um, but we started hiring people that were they were out of college, or they just you know, oh, they were sports trainers, or they were a DJ, or they were this, and they're really good people. They're really good people for our industry. But like Paul, you just said, they don't get the industry. So when something happens and they see mangoes go down to seventy-five cents, and their boss says sell 50,000 cases of mangoes and you get a $250 gift certificate, that person is just going to sell as much mangoes as possible and they're not going to worry about the cause and effect that's happening. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, it's- yeah, I, I, uh, I've seen a lot of like, uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, st- uh, listen, when it comes to like, it, except in the context of this market, uh, this market, what we're in right now, there is, there was no bottom for, for many of these prices, but there's always, uh, I, the reason why I don't like conscious and I like supply and demand because in a regular year, those mangoes could be 75 cents. Okay. And they also could be $7. And if your average, and if your average is, let's say a four and a quarter at the end of it all, everybody's happy. You understand? 100%. Right, it, but if you're a pick and pack course on the ma- on the mangoes, let's say it's two and a half, right? And uh, X Y Z uh, uh, company wants a contract price for two and a quarter, so you're in the hole, twenty five cents a box for like you know for for two million mangoes coming out. You know that is not a fallacy. Some guys actually take losing contracts because they don't wa- they don't want to lose X Y Z company's business. You know what I mean? And they hope they make it up on on other sales yeah i think that's uh i think that's crap yeah so me uh you know i I give example somebody offered me a processor offered me two dollars two dollars for a 25 pound box of red peppers i actually told them i'd rather dump them than sell them for two dollars wow you know what i mean like there's actually there's actually a point that it becomes insulting and it's insulting to the grower and i sell you know i sell for a lot of growers and uh, I take it personally. I, I I try to always make every scenario better for everyone. And like no, a, a great a great deal is when everybody's happy, right? When the buyer, the seller, you know what I mean. And you can facilitate that deal. Everybody's happy. Well, that's a winner. You know what I mean. And if you can make a little money on the on the transaction, that's even better for you, right? But usually in the produce business, somebody's very happy, or somebody's happy, and somebody's sad. My job is to make sure nobody, somebody's not too too happy at the expense of making someone too sad. So you try to make, you just try to make deals work and understand. And again, I I, I used to do tomato contracts, and I sound like uh, I'm a hypocrite there, but I used to do tomato contracts. I stopped doing them this year because of the suspension agreement. I used to do tomato contracts because it was a no-brainer. Okay. What do I mean by that? Okay, I was delivering Roma tomatoes to East Coast for the whole Mexican deal for twelve to thirteen dollars delivery for the whole season for six months. Okay, if you're in retail, that's a winner. 
you could be 99 cents and double your money, right? You could be 99 cents a pound and double your money. Most retailers on the East Coast on sale are $1.49. Most of the time, they're $1.99 to $2.49. So imagine that to me is a no-brainer contract. The grower's happy at that price, nine, basically $9 FOB. The, re the retailer should be happy at that price, $12, $13 delivered, right? Cost you, you know, 50 cents a pound. Not one retailer on the East Coast took that. Excuse me, not one large retailer. On yeah, the East one Coast. large retailer. Of, uh, uh, plenty of independents took it, though. You know, well, and, and were, I was going to say, and if you're a consumer listening, that's crazy because look, look how the consumers will be the first one to say, why is there no produce in the stores? Right. Everyone, Paul just said it. It becomes insulting to a point where the grower, right, the pro, you know, they're being taken advantage of. So it's almost to a point where they would feed it to the cows. They would, you know, they're going to donate it somewhere else, right? Because it becomes yeah. to a point where it's insulting. Is and that comes back to the unity of working together, right? Listen, let me clarify one thing. Everyone gets a shot at being insulting. Growers get insulting too. Like three weeks ago, forty dollar FOB cubes when the demand was off the charts. I listen. I me. I, I tell everybody I'm non-sectarian. I piss everybody off. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> you you know I just call I just call balls and strikes. You know. So there are times. You know, uh, listen, there, there's been times growers held stuff back in uh, in Mexico to get markets up and all of a sudden flood the markets. It's happened with avocados. It's happened with squash. It's happened with almost every item. You know what I mean? It happens all the time with retailers, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, charging too much. It, you know, it happens with trucks. It's it's our industry. Correct. Know? It is. I just, try, I just try to make it better for everybody. I tell it, you know, if, if, if somebody uses my ideas, believe me, you don't have to give me credit. You don't have to give me credit. You know, take the credit and run with it. I just want to make this business better for everybody. That's it. That's my life's goal. The, the years left I have on this planet, that's all I want to do. I, I want agree. To make the listen, I support you 100%. And listen, I, Paul's going to come back on the show, everyone. This is not going to be his first or last time. He is going to be many times on the show to talk about updates, to give us a lot of insight. And, you know, I was going to say, if you haven't read the Produce Manifesto, uh, by Paul Manfrey, go check it out because in this manifesto, he talks about the plan for success and educate, innovate, renovate, stimulate, agitate, and dominate. He talks about all of these things in the produce manifesto and it is a great tool. If you're in this industry, if you're just coming into the industry, I would take a look at this. Paul, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they want to reach out, where, where, where can everybody find you at? Uh, I have a website. It's called uh, sustainingproduce.com, and uh, my uh, my uh, email. I have two email addresses. One is p manfrey p m a n f r e at topcats t o p k a t z dot com, and the other one is my all time favorite redpepperking at gmail dot com. Fantastic. Well. Paul, I appreciate you coming on the show today and the Produce Industry Podcast is here to educate everybody in the produce and supply chain industry as well as consumers, right? Everybody that is from farm to fork, as we always say, uh, we want everybody to be educated where produce comes from and let them know what we're doing to help supply America and the globe. So thank you. I appreciate your time today. And you have to let consumers know that they have to – they have to be the advocate. They have to go into the stores and say, 
you know, how come this is so expensive? How come that is even if they don't know, just push them a little bit because that's what's going to change. So when people people can change an an industry. Yeah, Paul's right. So just like uh, just like in politics, right? You, yes, exactly. you, you're the people you got to get out there yeah, and vote and change it so go to your stores right. tell them what it is tell them why you're you're complaining about price supply uh quality tell them everything that's what they're there for and then that way we can do a better job to service you guys so- you've been listening to the produce industry podcast with patrick kelly be sure to subscribe on itunes or anchor to get new fresh weekly episodes For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.